Hyperfixated, a deep dive into the things we love and often obsess over. With your hosts, Sean and Sergio. Hyperfixated. I am your host, Sergio. I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, the beautiful, the enigmatic, the writer of A Cosmology of Monsters, one of Stephen King's favorite books from 2019. His name is Sean Hamill. Say what up, yo. Hello. Sean, how are you doing today? Man, I am great. We're here today to discuss Resident Evil... This is the first episode of the Resident Evil arc. We'll be discussing the video games in this episode. And as we dive into the video games, Sean, what's what's your what was your entry point into this franchise? So I'm I uh, considering my age, I was sort of a late entry. I didn't come on board until uh, Resident Evil Four, which I think I I didn't play till like 2006. Uh, but I've been a fan of the the franchise ever since. I remember playing the first game on the PS1 and as a, as a fan of horror and zombies, it, it hit all the right buttons and, yeah, yeah. and it hit, uh, it hit the right buttons for a lot of people. It became a runaway success and spawned an entire media juggernaut of video games, movies, animated movies, anime, comic books, books, books yeah. novels, novelizations as a result of this this small little game from Capcom. The reason we're doing this now is because we have a brand new Resident Evil game coming out, Resident Evil 8 Village. It is a direct sequel to 7 Biohazard which is the first for the for the series the there is a there's a can, there's a lore there's a storyline that is very extensive and as a result you know games fall in in some in some sort of order but this is the first time that i believe a game is actually a direct sequel to to what happened in the previous installment as far as i know yeah um that that would be correct in terms of like the the same lead character going on to the next game so we'll be discussing uh, all those games uh, so much more. And just uh, please join us as we dive right in. Hyper fixated. All right. So the first Resident Evil game comes out March 22nd, 1996. The series is actually known as Biohazard in Japan. And it was changed in the States because there was already an existing DOS game with that name. And also a pretty decent little NYC hardcore band uh, by the same name, Biohazard. So shout out to all you NYC HC fans out there. Uh, do you actually know how the uh, the name Resident Evil was decided upon? Wasn't it sort of a, a employee suggestions? Like you could go drop it in the box. With- yeah, yeah. Capcom's like, hey, we have no idea what to name our new uh, zombie game. Do you? <laughs> and so some nameless Capcom employee. Uh, I mean, it takes place in a residence. That's a house. Yeah, it's a house. It's a it's evil stuff is going on. So why don't you just call it evil residence? And the president of Capcom like, that's dumb. Let's call it Resident Evil instead. <laughs> He's the J. Jonah Jameson of uh, Capcom. He's like, stupid, terrible idea. Resident Evil, run it. Tokoro Fujiwara is an employee of Capcom. He actually did a game called Sweet Home in 1989 for the Famicom, the Nintendo. Uh, That was based on a movie that actually the game itself became more popular than the movie. It contained a lot of elements that you would see 
in future Resident Evil games. The plot is a group of people stumble upon a mansion, a residence, where you guessed it, spooky dooky stuff is happening. Evil stuff, you might say. Mm. And it's their job to survive. So it's not even a sweet home. It's an ironic title. Mm. Mm. Yeah, sweet home, bro. <laughs> Evil dolls and <laughs> zombies. zombies and hounds. Uh, Would you got to pick up or you're fucked forever? <laughs> Man, playing that game and then playing Resident Evil 7, almost like back to back. Sean and I are both part of a retro game club with a, a group of friends of ours. I suggested Sweet Home simply because, you know, we were kind of deep diving already into the Resident Evil world. I know at least one other guy like, had it on his short list of suggestions because it's it's sort of, it's it's Japanese only, so it's kind of got this mystique to it. And also like it's a spiritual uh, ancestor to this great franchise that everyone loves. So it's got that going for it as well. And so I suggested it, it got selected. We've been playing it. And so playing that game and seven, I guess like the very first installment of the series and the most recent installment of the series they're pretty much the damn near the same game like you're walking around this spooky house something could try jump out to kill you at any time you have to be very smart and strategic about your inventory you've got to conserve when at all possible sometimes it's best just to run away it's just incredible how like the bones of sweet home have been molded and adapted to become something like resident evil 7 biohazard and in fact and the, for the first resident evil game that infamous sort of animation of the door opening whenever you enter into a new room that's from sweet home i have to admit i i still need to play sweet home i've been sort of behind on literally everything uh this month but <clears throat> but um I, i've got to wonder what that looks like in 8-bit like is it a full animation or is it just like a door and then it fades well the door it kind of you see like you hear that creak and then it jumps from like slightly open to like halfway open to like all the way open <laughs> nice i mean it's 8-bit i'm mad at him I have also noticed playing seven, even though I haven't played Sweet Home, is how much like the first game it feels. Mm -hmm. Not only are you in the house and you have to be smart about resources, but also the house is sort of a maze. And so you have to keep doubling back to locations. And that's part of why it's so important to save your resources, because things could appear there and you don't know what's around the next corner. So like, it's not always safe to double back to the other side of the house because, you know, a goop monster could come get you. Goop monster. Um, which is what we should start calling Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yeah, she's somebody's got to take her on. Somebody's got to do humanity a service. Kong, Godzilla, somebody stop her. Step up. Come on. <laughs> So Fujiwara does his game in 89. Never it never gets ported to the to the states. Stays in Japan, becomes a hit, but seemingly just becomes one of those games that was popular and people remember fondly, but nothing comes of it, you know, after that. Well, big then in Japan. It's big in Japan as Tom Waits would say. Uh, so fast forward nearly a decade and a half later and old boy uh, tells his Capcom co-worker Shinji Mikami to create a new game using elements from Sweet Home and that game is Resident Evil. It's gangbuster successful, sells tons of copies, critically well received. Uh, this is one of those rare unicorns where the game is very good and people also love it. Yes, perfect example of populist entertainment. 
working sure. the way it's supposed to. The way it's supposed to work. Uh, two years later, we get its sequel, Resident Evil 2. Uh, Mikami uh, stays on as producer. And then a year after that, we've got Resident Evil 3. So in the span of three years, we've got three games, all of which were commercially successful, critically well-received, sort of define a generation. The, all three games were released on the PlayStation 1. I mean, I, I don't know that there's anyone around our age that came up with the PlayStation 1 that didn't play one or, or all three of those games. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other... I, I didn't have the PlayStation 1. I, I sort of missed out on consoles between like the Sega Genesis and the GameCube, I think. So I was I was kind of out of the loop for a while. But I'm trying to think of other... You know, because from the original Nintendo, you've got several iconic franchises. Um, you know, you've got Mario, you've got Zelda, you've got Kirby, Mega Man. But from the PlayStation, Resident Evil is really the only one that's still... Maybe Tomb Raider is the other one. You've got Tomb Raider. You've got Final Fantasy VII was huge. And it's connected to the PlayStation 1 in a way that a lot of video games aren't connected to their respective consoles. But right. that was that series was was around long before that and continued way past that. But that was... That was a generation-defining game, though, 7. It, it absolutely was. You've also got Metal Gear Solid. Again, another, another series that was, was around before, but that was sort of like the like the the crystallization me- exactly yeah. you know just sort of like with final fantasy 7 i guess it was maybe the first instance where the idea and the ideas behind the game finally like the, te- the technology caught up with what they were what they've always envisioned or you know were trying to do right and so you know the playstation one was just it was it was i don't know the magical system in so many respects and you know resident evil was a huge part of that as well which is weird considering that you have three years and three games and then there's six years in between three and four coming out you have a bunch of other resident evil games coming out in that time you've got like several light gun games like survivor and dead aim you've got an early attempt at online co-op with outbreak Uh, you do have some mainline entries like code veronica for the dreamcast and zero for the gamecube but those to me seemed they didn't they weren't as successful because to me they seemed more like they were made to they were using the the Resident Evil franchise to boost console sales that makes sense yeah and in fact they they when they issued the re, um, zero they also did a remake of the original Resident Evil for GameCube mm-hmm. I think exclusively at first and it was later ported and that's the version I ended up playing and uh, yeah yeah so it it definitely like they feel like sort of like I guess Marvel movies versus Marvel TV shows like it all counts but you're not missing anything huge if you're not watching the TV shows you know between the movies you weren't missing out on jack shit if you skipped Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. you know but went to see Captain America Winter Soldier or whatever for sure but I mean that's that's a sort of to me that's a testament to how popular Resident Evil was is that you know Sega and Nintendo the Dreamcast and the GameCube are kind of like one of those situations we're talking about where the systems themselves were actually pretty cool and were capable of more than than what they actually did, but they just didn't find the audience. Right. And so they, they're using, it seems to me they're using the Resident Evil name to boost these sales because the only way, for a while, the only way you could play Code Veronica is on Dreamcast. So if you wanted to play the game, you had to buy the Dreamcast. And if you wanted to play this Resident Evil prequel, you had to buy GameCube. Yeah. 
But the gap between three and four is interesting to me. I think that from what I remember, and I, I, I might be wrong about this, so I think that they started it over at least once. I think that was part of it was the the creative forces at Capcom they wanted they wanted to break it open do something new with it you know I, I think that they felt like they'd gone about as far as they could with the formula that they had there's actually a demo you can read about online that seems to be much more like haunted castle like mm-hmm. much more ghostly there's I think there's they- like two or three different builds Poor research addendum. There were three previous builds of the games and Sean was correct in that one of them was a haunted castle experience so the longer development period was due to Capcom scrapping their progress and starting over multiple times. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, that they finally ended up settling on what they did. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of like, um, at least the way Pixar used to work, where like, you know, I remember watching some making of thing about Monsters Incorporated, and how with every Pixar movie, basically, it had a very long gestation period, and it didn't go to production until everybody was on board with it, essentially, like they would go through the story over and over and over again until they had it just right and so like for example they show you the first story read through of the the storyboards for monsters incorporated and it's a completely different movie than what you saw in the theater you know that that having those sort of resources like a like a big company like a capcom or a pixar or whatever can do where they can just incubate something you know as long as they're financially solvent in other areas until they feel like they've got it right and you know i i I know that four ended up being divisive, uh, but for me, you know, it was it was my introduction to the series, and I loved it, and I think it it brought a new audience to the series as well. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a pivot from survival horror to more of an action adventure game. There's still definitely elements of horror. I mean, you're still it's a scary game. Yeah, yeah, you're still frightened beyond belief in some aspects, in some in some points of the game, but it's definitely not the same sort of spooky exploratory game that the first one definitely was sure and and it gets a little bit more actiony with two and three but by four it's it's full-blown like you you got a rocket launcher (laughs) and my favorite memory of four is actually getting is buying it simply because i didn't have a gamecube at the time the girl i was dating she wanted a gamecube because she wanted to play donkey konga she asked me to buy her gamecube the game and an extra set of congo drums so that your girlfriend at the time could play with her and i'm thinking like there's there's no way i'm spending fucking 300 bucks for all this for something that you're just gonna throw like it's gonna sit at the bottom of the entertainment center you know by march that's just yeah. not going to happen. Right. Cut to me stopping by a GameStop on my lunch break from work. The clerk says like, hey, have you played the Resident Evil 4 demo yet? And I said, no, like you should try it out. And I was like, oh, I don't have a GameCube. He's like, dude, you should figure out a way to play this because it's fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know what? Aforementioned girlfriend's little brother has a GameCube. We usually, we go to, you know, her parents' house about once or twice a month. I'll stop by. I play it. I immediately think I need to fucking buy this game. <laughs> She is getting her GameCube. She essentially got the GameCube so I could play Resident Evil 4 in January. <laughs> but no, like I like I loved it. I I thought it was fantastic. Definitely not the same sort of game as Resident Evil 1, but still fun, still a whole lot of fun and a lot of people and it and it was sort of like you said it's very divisive. A lot of people of the uh the survival horror ilk don't like it as much. 
but I think it was necessary to bring in fans, like maybe like the, you and I were already familiar with the franchise by that point. Like we had come up with it for the kid who's, who the GameCube was their first console. They're not going to go back and play old PlayStation games. No. You know, it needed to reintroduce the franchise to a new audience. And I think it did a great job of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it appeals to a broader audience because it's a shooter, like much more so than the first couple of games, like ammunition, weapons. There's so many upgrades. There's readily so many- available. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the game is lengthy too, like compared to the the earlier entries, like it takes a while to finish. Like I replayed it recently on PS4 and it still took me a while, even though I know that game inside and out because I played it over and over again. It was also the first entry in the franchise to use the over the shoulder camera, I think, yep. which was a huge breakthrough in terms of like, I think action games and horror games because, and it really works with, um, you know, I, the tank controls in the earlier games are really difficult, but you know, it, them being clumsy contributes to the fear of the game. And I think that that close over the shoulder behind Leon the whole time, like makes it so something could only be a few inches from you and you still don't see it. So you're constantly uncomfortable, especially the first time through. So story of my life. <laughs> That's the name of my autobiography, constantly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, me too. So for it was initially a GameCube exclusive, again, like hearkening back to my belief that like companies use the Resident Evil name to sell consoles, GameCube being the being of that generation the the slowest selling yeah and the family friendly option i guess yeah but as a result like you know the the hardcore gamers weren't really getting into it right they Uh, were with the xbox and the ps2 so the it was supposed to be a gamecube exclusive but that really only lasted 10 months because capcom's like look we've got we're losing money at this point not being able to sell this to people that have a playstation or have an xbox right the whole world shinji mikami had come back to direct he had he directed the first one he produced the second and third he came back to direct number four and that was his last project on resident evil he worked on a few more projects with capcom then he left and the last major game he directed was the evil within yeah which i i have and i've played a little bit of and definitely has strong uh resident evil vibes and i definitely now that i know that he worked on it i'm i'm doubly excited to go back to it once uh you know we've worked our way through the resident evil canon for those of you with xbox game pass it's available on that so you can play it for free five years later we get resident evil 5 that was the first mainline game for the playstation 3 and Xbox 360 generation. You've got another three years to wait to get to six. Four, five, and six sort of make up what's known as like the action-oriented trilogy. You got the survival horror trilogy with one, two, and three. Four, five, and six are more action-y, more like action hero sort of games. And seven comes out in early 2017. And kind of, like you said, it feels a lot more like the first game. Seven kind of goes back to its survival horror roots. And it's the first game to use Capcom's in-house RE engine. It was a PlayStation VR exclusive too. Like I think now you can play it on Oculus Rift or HTC Vive or whatever VR device you have. But it was the first AAA game released for the PSVR platform and I was so excited and um my my then wife bought it for me even though it came out in January my birthday is in March she bought it for me when it came out and she's like this is your birthday present go nuts and I played like the first hour of that game and I couldn't go back to it for weeks because like it it was so intense it was so different as somebody who played Resident Evil 4 and 5 and had never really doubled back to the earlier games 
it was so different from what I was expecting. So much scarier, so much more intense. I felt so much more helpless and I fucking love it. (laughs) I think it's a great game. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, that's, there's definitely a time when I just want to like grab an unlimited amount of ammo and just shoot everything up. And there's a time where I kind of like want to be sneaky and, and try to solve puzzles, try to figure out like, you know, oh, I'm supposed to go back over here. I remember that. Or like see a picture. Like there's this great part in seven where you just see a drawing and based on the drawing you figure out like oh this is the drawing of the room and it's showing me where there's a secret passage that was and, great yeah and so just like you know puzzle solving like that it's a, it's a lot of fun I was, I was playing sweet home recently and i'm thinking like this is this is the same game just better graphics you know something i think the series stayed pretty good at i never played six and i don't remember five especially well but having played sort of the the remasters of the first few is they're games that are really good about telling a story through the the environment through the documents that you find the drawings the little in seven there are actual videotapes you find and put in a vcr Mm -hmm. that become playable levels which i i I thought was a really neat uh, idea although it's a little weird that they're using vhs tapes and not like, I don't know, like mini cams or something or phones, but it's well, fun. I mean, it's fun. yeah, the, the whole environment is seems like a little out of time, yeah. And that's part of the charm, I think, of the series too, like the typewriters that you use to save your games, uh, in the earlier entries, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's part of the, the, the strength of the lore too is like that there's so much more going on than. If you're just playing the game and just sort of fast forwarding through the documents that you don't really need to know to understand and enjoy the game. But like once you start digging into it, you start to see there's this much bigger like web of characters and world going on. And, you know, that I I, I love that kind of stuff. Like, I guess I think of it as like optional world building. Like there's more there if you want it, but you don't have to have it to just basically enjoy the game oh yeah which is always the best because too much of it can seem overwhelming and uh, a hindrance to to jumping in and playing like if, if you've got to you know have read this and have watched this and have played that to understand what you're doing in a game you know like i'm just not going to worry about it. i'm not going to bother with it but if you can go ahead and dive in enjoy it and then like you said that's optional you can get a more wide angle lens enjoy the rest of it that's all that's all you're that's all the better yeah and i I think it rewards playthrough too because like you might read a note in your first time through the game and it doesn't really make much sense but once you've played through to the end and you start again you know you've got like oh shit i remember this name okay and you kind of start to put together the backstory as well so you get to play detective in a way or at least that's how it works for me i i have a real bad mind for remembering character names usually um the first especially secondary characters in the first time through a game. So it takes me a while to remember like, oh yeah, this character's name is Mia or, you know, Evelyn or whoever uh, in seven. So I, I really like that. And I'm, I know other games have done that, but it's something I think Resident Evil has done well consistently, I guess. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Like, I don't think that, you know, Resident Evil has invented the wheel on in any aspect, but what they do accomplish they accomplish very well yeah and it's that their continued success is testament but yeah like we said earlier resident evil 8 village is either out now or coming out in just a couple of days if you would like to win a free copy of the game on the platform of your choice whether it be pc xbox one or playstation 4 or 5 you can do so by following us on twitter at hyperfixatedpod and using the hashtag hyperfixatedpodcast just you know shoot out a tweet 
knowing, uh, letting us know that you uh, are listening and all followers who use that hashtag are eligible to win and we will draw a winner at the end of the arc. Hopefully it'll be you and you'll let us know what platform you want it on. If you're, if you want a digital version or a physical copy, again, let us know and we'll figure out how to uh, get it to you one way or the other. We want to thank all you guys and gals for listening. And we want to give back to the community that we're trying to build here. And if you're anything like us, you often, there's so much that you enjoy and love, but every so often it'll, it'll scratch that particular itch and you'll, you'll dive deep into it and become, become obsessed and become hyper fixated with it. Like I said, we want to build that love. We want to spread the love. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with part two of the Resident Evil arc. My name is Sergio. Mine is Sean. Thank you so much for listening. Be kind to others and to yourself. Continue the conversation with your favorite fleeting fanatics on social media. Follow the show on Twitter at HyperFixatedPod and each of us individually at Sean Hamill and at SergioTX. And that's Sergio with a one instead of the I. S-E-R-G-1-O-T-X. For a list of all social media links, check out Linktree forward slash HyperFixated. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your preferred podcast of choice. And if you really like the show, please leave a five-star review. Please don't forget to tell all your friends and family to listen, especially grandmas. We love grandmas. Intro music is the Mega Man 2 title screen as performed by the Bit Brigade, definitely used without permission. Please don't sue.